Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. College football season has come and gone. Big 12 with only three games over the weekend, highlighted by Oklahoma State at Texas Tech on the Saturday night cap. What's up, everybody? I'm Matt Hofeld from heartland-sports.com. Big 12 recap, Big 12 weekend review, so to speak. Uh, we got to start with Texas at Iowa State, a game that was uglier than I think anybody expected it to be. I think the biggest letdown of the weekend when you're talking about the Big 12 Conference, is Iowa State. Not in the fact that they lost, but in the fact that they only managed seven points in this game. Jacob Parks, by far the most disappointing individual performance of the weekend, leading, trying to lead his team to a win over Texas. And you have to wonder if the moment wasn't too big for Jacob Parks. Kind of like what we said um with Oklahoma State the, the week before against TCU, if, that, if the gravity of the moment wasn't too big for the Oklahoma State Cowboys as a team, you got to think it got to park just because of the logo on the helmet. It doesn't matter how good or how bad the Texas Longhorns are. It, if you can score a win over the Longhorns, that's a good win. It's a, and if you're a program like Iowa State, and again, not intended for anything to be um, – for anything to be offensive here, but if you're a program like Iowa, Iowa State, that could be a, a program-changing type victory. But Park with 50% completions, uh, 24-48. He did throw for 246 yards and one score, but the thing that everyone's going to talk about are the turnovers, and not only were they just bad turnovers, all three of his interceptions were pretty atrocious in, in that in that category. The thing you have to ask yourself, what I'm wanting to know, uh, if I'm an Iowa State fan, is what happened to David Montgomery? I believe that David Montgomery is one of the most talented running backs in the Big 12, and David Montgomery only touched the ball a total of nine times in that game as far as running carries go. They threw him a couple of passes, and he's good at getting the ball out of the backfield and making and making things move, but David Montgomery, three pass receptions for 15 yards, nine carries for 34 yards. He is your most potent offensive weapon and he only got 12 touches during that football game. If you want to know why Iowa State struggled, well, yeah, Texas has improved defensively. This isn't the same Texas team we saw fall on their face against Maryland. Um, they 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 showed that they were better uh, against USC, but then again, USC has been flirting with disaster all season long. We'll come back to that later on in this episode. But um, you, you have that loss in Southern California. This This game, to me showed two things. It showed me that I I believe that the Texas defense is better than even what we thought they were against USC because it's on the road on a Friday night in conference play at a place that kind of traps people. 
on those weeknight games. I mean, Texas has been victim of those chops before. Oklahoma State has been a victim of those chops before. So it's a game that you you really need to win. Pressure is on you if you're Texas. And for the defense to go out and force those turnovers. And, and again, they're bad throws. But still, they're bad throws because Jacob Park can't set up in the pocket. He's rushed. He's he's flustered a little bit on on what he wants to do. You take away Alan Lazard, his top his top receiver, only five catches on the night for 63 yards, shut out in the end zone. Texas defense, I'm ready to say they're better than what we thought they were. And and if you go back to our our podcast to preview the weekend, the guy I said you really had to watch for if you're Texas is Chris Warren. Chris Warren is the guy who kind of makes this offense work, but the Longhorns did not run the ball effectively in this game. They had 52 team carries for 141 yards, 2.7 yards per carry. Now, Chris Warren did score a touchdown. His longest run on the night was 11 yards, but he only averaged 2.8 yards per carry. While I'm ready to say that the Texas defense is better, I'm not ready to say that the Texas offense is any better. This is an offense that's still struggling, still trying to find its identity, so to speak, with the quarterbacks. But the thing about it is, with the Texas offense, until they get things figured out up front with their offensive line, which is going to be an issue going ongoing with the injuries that they have there, the Texas offense is going to struggle. So that puts more pressure on the defense. And if you're the Longhorns, you're just hoping that the defense doesn't break. Before we talk about Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, I want to I want to just throw some a few thoughts out about Baylor and Kansas State as well. A lot of people expected Baylor to kind of carry that momentum from Oklahoma into Manhattan, Kansas. I was personally shocked that Kansas State only won by 13. I didn't think Baylor would carry that momentum. It's hard to have that big of a game at home and then take that momentum on the road. That's that's why we talk about the letdown. But if you're if you're the Kansas State Wildcats, you need that win. Wildcats now three and zero, zero and one, one and zero in the Big Twelve. Baylor falls to zero and five on the season, zero and two in the Big Twelve. You gotta start wondering where that first win is gonna come for the Bears. I don't believe Baylor is gonna go winless through the season. And so there are some teams that are lurking out there as possible upset victims for the Baylor Bears, and we can talk about that later on. But what I'm wanting to talk about right now is if I'm Kansas State, I feel like I have a good shot to win the Big 12 title about three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, you see them you see them drop just a gut-wrenching loss in Nashville against Vanderbilt, and they have to come back, and they have to bounce back against Baylor, which they did. I mean, you got to win the conference games, right? If you're going to win the conference, you got to win the conference games, particularly the conference games at home. However, the issue I think is with Kansas State is 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 the same issue we talked about with the Texas Longhorns. Not necessarily that they're strong up front um, with uh, they're they're riddled up front with injuries. I don't I don't think that's the issue for Kansas State. But you've got a quarterback who's who's a specialty type of guy. Jesse Ertz is, is a guy who's not going to light you up for 500 yards and six touchdowns in a game. Unless you combine what he does through the air and what he does on the ground. He continually is Kansas State's leading rusher. He's deceptively fast. He averaged 7.9 yards a carry against Baylor last week. 12 rushes, 24 yards. 
But again, here's the thing with Kansas State. Here's what the Wildcats have to watch for. Jesse Ertz has been ineffective in the passing game. It's the reason why they lost at Vanderbilt. It's the reason why they were only 13 points better than Baylor. By the way, they had to outscore the Bears 13-7 to in the fourth quarter after being outscored 10 to nothing in the third to get to that 13-point advantage. Jesse Ertz was 7 of 17 for 119 yards. He did have a touchdown to his credit in this game. But at some point, at some point, and probably some point soon, you got to think that the ineffectiveness of Jesse Ertz is going to catch up with the Kansas State Wildcats. And that could be this weekend when Kansas State travels to Austin to play the Texas Longhorns. Texas is a team that's really hungry right now. They got their first conference win on the road last week. Now they're home in front of their own fans. The stadium will be mostly full. It's the weekend before the Red River rivalry. Texas Tech needs the or Texas Tech. Texas, the Texas Longhorns need this win. But so do the Kansas State Wildcats. If I'm Texas, I'm building my defense around stopping the running game. And I'm going to dare Jesse Ertz to beat me with his arm. And that's what you're going to see. That's the pattern that you're going to see defenses take across this league when defending the Kansas State Wildcats. I think, I have no idea what the over-under is on the Texas-Kansas State game. But I'm willing to go with the under. And the, and the reason why is because you have two good defenses, above average defenses, and you have two very below average offenses that have their own struggles. The Longhorns struggling up front on the offensive line, the Wildcats struggling at the quarterback position. And here, here's the thing about Jesse Ertz that needs, you gotta be fair with this and you gotta mention this. The thing that with Jesse Ertz, seven of 17, something like nine of his 10 incompletions were drop passes. I mean, if you're a quarterback and you're trying to be effective, you put the ball in the hands of the receivers, you got to trust those guys to catch the ball. Jesse Ertz can't, there's no way he can trust his receivers at this point. Something to watch for. If his receivers can learn to hang on to the football, then there's something going there. Game of the night, Oklahoma State over Texas Tech in Lubbock, 41-34. It was an entertaining game like we all expected it to be. But it was also the weird game that we all expected it to be. Oklahoma State had something like 10 possessions inside the red zone. It only came away with five touchdowns in those 10 possessions. Uh, inexplicably, two shanked field goals. Not, not, not long-distance field goals. Not, not where you're testing the range of your kicker. These are two gimme field goals. And they were shanked. I mean, this, this game, it was a seven-point game, 41-34. In our Friday Locks pick at Heartland-Sports, I took Texas Tech and the points. I think it was nine and a half. I don't honestly remember uh, what it was. But I took Texas Tech and the points. And if I would have bet money on it, I don't. But if I would have bet money on it, man, I would have been lucky to have won that. I, I we, we won the cover at, at, at seven. But you won the cover because of just the crazy ineffectiveness of the place kickers for Oklahoma State. You also have to, to look at things like Mason Rudolph's interception that was returned for a touchdown that put seven more points on the board for Texas Tech. This is a deceptive score. You think, well, yeah, Texas Tech has improved. They're, they're seven points um, off the pace of Oklahoma State, one of the top three teams in the Big 12. But at the end of the day, when you dissect this score, when you look at the film, Texas Tech was not close to being what Oklahoma State is. And the reason why 
is because the Red Raiders have the same problems that they've always struggled with under Cliff Kingsbury. It's on the defensive side of the ball. And I know you're going to say, well, Oklahoma State's an explosive offense. Mason Rudolph, one of the top three quarterbacks in the, in the Big 12. Well, he's, he's one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the country. But go back again to what we said in the preview, going into the weekend preview last week. Justice Hill is going to be the guy who makes a difference in this game. And Justice Hill didn't score a touchdown in the game, but he did make a difference. He carried the ball 30 times. He was my player to watch. 30 times for 164 yards, average five and a half yards per carry. And when you're able to create that type of devastation on the ground, it's easier for quarterbacks to set up and, and do what they do. Texas Tech still struggles to stop the run. Are they explosive on offense? Yes. They're extremely explosive on offense. And honestly, the game changed when Kiki Kuti got, got, was injured. But, but again, you, you look at depth and you look at all the reasons why Texas Tech has struggled over the last four or five seasons. You have to go back to 2013 to find Texas Tech winning a regular season game over a top 25 program. Why is that? Well, the two reasons are, the primary reason, number one, you struggle defensively. You struggle against the run. By the way, Mason Rudolph had 50 yards rushing in this game and ran for two touchdowns. Don't tell me that Texas Tech is better defensively. Don't make the excuse. Listen, Red Raider fans, I know you've got a chip on your shoulder. I get that. You're in West Texas. Everyone in West Texas has a chip on their shoulder just because they're in West Texas. But please don't disguise this loss. Well, it was it was because it was because Mason Rudolph and Oklahoma State, they're a high power offense. They're a top fifteen program. This loss is worse than the seven points. You can't beat your chest and say that moral victory, we lost to a top fifteen program just by seven points. You cannot do that. You have to look at the film and look at that what was there. Every, I was I was giving credit to Nick Shimanek before the game. I wrote an article that said Nick Shimanek's the best quarterback that no one's talking about. He completed only 29 of 46 passes. He had a crucial interception. The same this is the same Texas Tech team that we've seen the last four seasons. They're going to struggle against the run. They're going to be inconsistent offensively. They're going to turn the ball over. You're lucky you've got Kansas this week, but don't take it lightly. By the way, Cliff Kingsbury, I think you're back on the hot seat. Yes, I know it's only one loss, but it's the M.O. of Cliff Kingsbury. You look strong in the in the non-conference, and you hit conference play, and you just tank. Look, look, at, look back at their last several seasons. You, you, you go through a, a, a non-conference schedule that's just good enough to get people talking about you, and then you hit conference play, and suddenly you're going on a, a stretch where you lose four out of five. You lose three out of four in conference play. And as we know, losing to Kansas, and that's where Texas Tech goes. They go to Lawrence this coming Saturday. Losing to Kansas is the coach killer. And Cliff Kingsbury knows that. The Big 12 knows that. Kansas knows that. If you lose to the Jayhawks, it's a coach killer. 
Ask Charlie Strong. That was the final nail in the Charlie Strong coffin was losing to Kansas. The big joke all season long. Anytime football news broke, someone replied back on Yahoo. Someone replied back on Facebook. Someone replied back on ESPN. Someone replied back on Twitter. Anytime football news broke, regardless of whether it's the Big 12 or whether it's national, someone always replied back with, yeah, but Texas lost to Kansas. Now, it won't be that big of a deal for Texas Tech to lose to Kansas if that were to happen. But it would be a big enough deal that Cliff, Kings, Cliff Kingsbury needs to start packing bags. Get the moving boxes ready. This is a huge game for Texas Tech. It has huge implications on the future of this program. Because the schedule does not get any easier after Kansas. you got to win this game coming up. And we'll talk more about that next uh, later on in the week when we we'll preview the weekend. Two things I want to talk about. Game of the week was Oklahoma State at Texas Tech, 41-34 final. The two things that are coming out of this game that I really want to hit home on the last few minutes of the podcast are, let's start with Texas Tech from that perspective. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's typically the, the phrase that's used to describe changing your setting, changing your scenery, changing your situation. And Mike Leach had brought this program to a point where they could actually afford to say, well, maybe the grass is greener. Maybe Mike Leach isn't all of that. Maybe Mike Leach is too mean to the players. Maybe he's too harsh. You get a family of notoriety there within your program. You've got a dad who's a mouthpiece for college football. You've got a son who is a decent football player. He's not a star by any means, but he's good enough to get on the field. And, and you have this mindset of coddled treatment. You think Adam James was the first player that Mike Leach didn't speak tenderly to? Or non-tenderly, I guess? You think that, that Mike that Mike Leach just looked at Adam James and said, I don't like that kid, and I just he took out all of all of his anger, all of his aggression on, on Adam James. It locked him in a shed, a dark shed. I, I don't know how much truth to that. I, I don't know. There's two sides of that story. But, but Adam James and his dad, Craig James, put Texas Tech in a position where they had to do something. You either had to separate yourself from the James family or you had to separate yourself from Leach. And Mike Leach is a weird guy. I, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. He's a weird dude. And he's got quirks about him. And if you're looking for your grandpa to be your father figure on the football team, Mike Leach isn't that guy. But coincidentally, name me who that guy is at a winning program. Tell me who that father figure, grandfatherly like love and compassion head football coach is on a program that's winning. 2008 wasn't that long ago. And in 2008, Texas Tech was one of the top teams in the country. In 2008, Texas Tech was one win away from going to the BCS. That's where Texas Tech was. But the grass was greener on the other side. And you parted ways with Mike Leach and your program has tanked since then. Did you have cause to fire Mike Leach? Maybe. But should you have fired Mike Leach? No. Discipline him. Suspend him. Say we don't put we don't put players in sheds. But in light of recent situations at other institutions, and you can even look within the Big 12, 
There's a lot worse out there being done by head football coaches than, than not talking nice to a player. There's a lot worse out there in football programs than putting a guy with a concussion in a dark room. In Texas Tech, if you want, if you want to know what happened to your program, when Mike Leach left, the heart of your program left. And you've not yet recovered. Everyone thought they had that in Cliff Kingsbury, a, a Mike Leach prodigal, so to speak. Did wonders at the University of Houston. Did wonders at, at, uh, at, at Texas A&M as a quarterback's coach. You make him your, your head guy, and it's, it's bombed. It is taint. And what's Mike Leach doing these days? Oh, yeah. He's winning at home against a top-five program. He's doing at Washington State what Texas Tech can't do currently. Put that in perspective. Washington State. I, I would be willing to bet that Washington State is probably the equivalent of Texas Tech when you compare Pac-12 teams to Big 12 teams. In fact, I, I, I'm pretty confident that's the first home win over a top-five opponent since like 2003 for Washington State. And sure, USC has been flirting with disaster. They, they, they've been turning the ball over. But when you're a program that's on the rise, when, when you're a, a, a good program, the type of program that the, the, the Texas Tech wants to be, those are the type of games that you win. And let's not pretend like Oklahoma State hadn't been flirting with disaster. They lost the, the, the week prior because they flirted with disaster. Texas Tech couldn't close the deal. Washington State could close the deal. And the difference between Texas Tech and Washington State is the common denominator of Mike Leach. By the way, you can make the same argument with Mark Mangino in, in Kansas. Even to the point where Mark Mangino actually got Kansas to the BCS. Let's not forget, Kansas won the Orange Bowl. They beat Virginia Tech. It was the height of Kansas football in the modern era. But the grass was greener on the other side. Now look where you are, Kansas. Now look where you are, Texas Tech. All right, uh, that rant lasted longer than I thought it would. Just a few minutes left. Here's, here's the question. Here's the main point of this podcast outside of reviewing Big 12 football over the weekend. The question is, is and this was posed to me over the weekend, really near the end of the uh, of the Oklahoma State football game, someone sent me a text message, just asked me this question. Is Mason Rudolph still a Heisman candidate? The answer to that question is, is yes. If you want the short answer, yes, he's still a Heisman candidate. But if you, if you make that, that question a little more in depth and change the word candidate to contender, I think you have to say no at this point. No, he's not a Heisman contender. Let, let's, I mean, we can start with some of the intangibles that he has. He's, he's completed almost 68% of his passes. He's thrown for over 1,900 yards. He's got six touch, uh, 16 touchdowns to his name. But now you look at what's against him. Well, there's, there's really three things against him. One of them is Oklahoma State related. One of them is Mason Rudolph related. And one of them has, he has no control over. The thing that's Oklahoma State related is you look at Texas Tech, that's the best win of the season for Oklahoma State. That That's the best thing that Oklahoma State has done this weekend, or this season, is they've gone on the road and they've beaten an unranked Texas Tech team. You can butter that up a little bit and you can say that Texas Tech was undefeated. 
You can butter that up a little bit more, and you can say that Texas Tech had beaten Arizona State and Houston prior to the Oklahoma State game. You can do that to try to make it look better. You can say it was a road game. It was night in Lubbock. And Mason Rudolph led him to victory. You can say that. But the reality is, winning on the road against a non-ranked opponent is the best thing that Oklahoma State has done to this point of the season. That's what's Oklahoma State related. What's Mason Rudolph related, the reason why he's not a contender, and by contender, I mean a front runner. What's, what's Mason Rudolph related is, is the interceptions and the turnovers. People want to compare. They, they want to throw out his touchdowns, 16 touchdowns, to just four interceptions ratio, which is fine. It's a lot better than Sam Darnold's got going for him, who, by the way, is not a Heisman contender either, regardless of what ESPN says. But you also got to throw in there a couple of fumbles. And the fumbles are the results of just some, some crazy decision-making to hold the ball too long, to try to do what he, what he doesn't do best, and get out of his comfort zone. So you've got a kid whose best win of the season is on the road against the unranked Texas Tech team. He's got six turnovers on the season, four interceptions, two fumbles. And the thing that hey, he has no control over whatsoever is what's going on in two other programs, one of them in his home state. You look at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a Heisman front runner. For all the reasons that that Mason Rudolph is not, Baker Mayfield is. And people want to they want to turn this into a bedlam thing. Oh yeah, well you're an Oklahoma fan. I am an Oklahoma fan. But I do a lot of coverage for Oklahoma State. I, I think I'm pretty unbiased when I say this. All the reasons that Baker Mayfield is, is the same reasons that Mason Rudolph is not. Best win of the season for Baker Mayfield on the road against number two Ohio State. I mean, come on. You can't even compare those. What about Baylor? Hey, you know what? He was pretty good against Baylor. He only threw the ball 16 times, but three of those went for touchdowns. Oh, uh, yeah, the thing that Baylor has control over, the Mason Rudolph related thing, six turnovers, Baker's got zero. So you got to win on the road against a top-ranked opponent. You've got zero turnovers. You're, you're a top-five program yourself, depending on which poll you look at. There really should be top three in every poll. He's got nothing against him right now outside of his own play. Now, the turnovers are coming. It's unrealistic to think that Baker Mayfield is going to go the entire season and not turn the football over. At some point, it's going to come. And depending on how costly that turnover is, that's going to determine how much it damages him. The other thing that Mason Rudolph has no control over, it's you got Baker Mayfield and you got Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley right now is the is the college football phenomenon. He's the guy that everyone's talking about. What does Penn State do last week? They put him back on kickoff. What does he do? Oh, yeah, he runs the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. And when you got Saquon Barkley doing what he's doing for Penn State, by the way, front runner to win the Big Ten, and you got Mason Rudolph doing what he's uh, Mason Rudolph. You got Baker Mayfield doing what he's doing for Oklahoma, by the way, front runner to win the Big 12. You really, the, things are out of your control if you're Mason Rudolph. Now, what Mason Rudolph does have going for him is 
He's got a schedule that's going to bring Baker Mayfield into Stillwater. He still has a game against Texas. That's going to be a high-profile game. He still has a game against West Virginia. That's going to be an opportunity to get to do like a shootout-type performance. He has a game against Kansas State. Mason Rudolph still has time to make a case. Saquon Barkley, Baker Mayfield still have time to damage their cases. We're only through the first month of the college football season. So don't get mad and have a fit. Oklahoma State fan, when we say, and by the way, it's not just me, when we collectively across the board say, at this point, the Heisman race is between Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley, and if, if you want to test my homerism, then, then write this statement down. I think Barkley has the edge right now. I think if the vote was right now, today, after one month of the season, then Barkley is going to edge out Baker Mayfield. There's still plenty of time in all of this. Hey, a couple ways you can find us uh, online, heartland-sports.com. Heartland-sports.com. We've got Oklahoma State Cowboys. We've got Oklahoma, Oklahoma Sooners. And, hey, Thunder season is just around the corner. Uh, we got Oklahoma City Thunder coverage as well. You want to know some thoughts on the Russell Westbrook signing, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony. You want to know some thoughts on the season. We've got that at heartland-sports.com. You can find us on Twitter, at SportsHeartland at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Hey, shoot us your thoughts. Shoot us your comments. Shoot us your questions uh, on the podcast. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back uh, later on this week. Uh, Sooner, Pod- Sooner Nation podcast uh, will pop up sometime on Wednesday. And then going into the weekend, we'll have the uh, college football Big 12 Week 6 preview coming up. Th- thanks again for listening. See you soon. Heartland-Sports.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.